The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet of up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by Coors Light. When you're sweating out your bets, remember to take some time to chill and grab the perfect cold refreshment, Coors Light. And finally, we're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is home to the best Ball Mania 2 contest where you can win a million dollars. That's right, a million dollars. Sign up now at underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Back again. Damn mediocre boys are back again in your ear holes for the 40th time. Yep, Lordy, Lordy, look who's 40. It's the MMA Gambling Podcast. That's that's who's 40. This is episode number 40, and I will dedicate it to uh, Sean Kemp. Number 40, not only do you wear number 40, he also has 40 kids from 40 different ways. So. <laughs> this one is for you, Mr. Kemp. Um like I said, MMA Gambling Podcast, episode 40. Congrats to us. And we are on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. As per usual, if you're listening to us on our dedicated feed, thank you. Uh, if you want to give us a five-star review, which we deserve, obviously, and uh, complimentary comments, feel feel free to do that. If you are listening to us on the main Sports Gambling Podcast Network feed, make sure you subscribe to our feed so you don't miss any episodes because pretty soon I think we'll just be out on our own on our own feed still under the sgpn umbrella but nonetheless on our own feed um yes i as i said we are back being mediocre i would be jeff fox i was a little less mediocre last week um i lost money though so that's that's pretty mediocre my uh co-conspirator here was very mediocre and lost a lot of money also so um we may as well get right down to things um Person, in, the man in question I'm speaking of would be uh, Daniel Gumby Vreeland. I'm going to skip a long intro because I don't have anything in my head today to say about him, other than he sucked at picking again last week. Not, not sucked. Mediocre. Five and he six. Was, five and six. Five and six and down three hundred bucks. That, that's that's okay for you. I, I would say it's not ideal. Uh, <laughs> I didn't go over eleven. I would also say the one canceled fight or rescheduled fight uh, that we had. I think we would have nailed that one. Uh, I don't think we would have messed up David Dvorak versus a four-fight uh, debuting fighter coming in on 24 hours' notice. So I'm going to give myself six and six because uh, I like to rewrite history like that. Um, so we'll, we'll say I was six for six. And I did hit a, an underdog that I was pretty proud of that we'll talk about later. And we would have had the, uh, had the Vic Medeiros fight uh, right also, right? We, I think we both had... Had Zavik in that fight? And yeah, I, I, feel, won, so I yeah. feel pretty confident in that one, too, because I would have yeah, had to go. feel confident because I interviewed Yancey Medeiros before and picked against him. So. <laughs> there you go. So I, I would have been 9-4, and four and Dan would have been 7-6. Uh, so it would have been a lot better. We killed um, it. We killed it. We killed it last week, everybody. Um, we didn't kill our locks. I've lost, what, two weeks in a row on my locks, I think. And we're used to Dan losing on his locks because that's just, <laughs> that's just what Dan does. So... Um, for the locks, I'm eight and three now. Um, still up almost 200 bucks, up 17. percent Dan is five and six, down 300 bucks. Mediocre down again. 20, Mediocre yep, again. Down 26 <laughs> percent. And then f- on uh, picking every fight on the card, which is 
harder than it sounds, really, to, to be successful doing that. Uh, I am uh, 108 and 88, 55%, but I'm down uh, almost 3,000 bucks. So it's probably not it, – it's good to gen way to play, but it's probably not the best way to play if you want to earn, earn money. Uh, Dan is 101, 95, 52%, very mediocre, and he's down – Little less than me. He's uh, 2,800, and I'm 2,900. So the gap is closing. The but, gap but, is I'm, closing but I'm still there roughly one picks amount? Yes. About, yes, about that. <laughs> about that about that 270 yep. underdog? Exactly. And I, she's got a fight coming up in a couple weeks, so we will be speaking of that aforementioned big underdog that Dan hit and that he's still hanging on to now. She might be sad. my favorite fighter now. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. Cause she made you look smart, so doesn't take much. Doesn't take much. All right, uh, the event, of course, we were talking about was last weekend's UFC Fight Night Font versus Garbrandt. Uh, before we break her all down, let me tell you about the good people over at WinBet. WinBet is bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today, and you'll receive a special offer of up to $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at WinBet, that's W-Y-N-N-Bet.com, and download the app today. Hopefully you got in there and you bet the Phoenix Suns to beat the L.A. Lakers today, because that's what happened. Woohoo! All right. So this uh, event that we were mediocre on, I actually went 7-4, which is very good, if you ask me, but I was I was very chalky, so... Ended up down about forty bucks if uh, based on hundred bucks per fight because that's what all us hardcore degens do. I hit one even money underdog and that was the only underdog I hit on the night. Dan was five and six. He hit a plus one thirty dog, so good for him there. Um, yeah, things started off so well for us as they tend to do. Um, we got the first three fights right. I thought we were gonna go uh, perfect on the fourth, but we ended up. Dropping the ball on that one, but but we started off uh, started off nice, like like I said, like we tend to always do, and then things kind of the wheels kind of fell off. Yeah, and I, I yeah, and, and we're gonna talk about all of these fights, obviously, but the the thing that seemed like the theme to the night was uh, uncommonly good wrestling, and, and right. I'm a I'm a guy who picks. You can go back and listen to all the other episodes. I lean far too much on who I think is going to out wrestle a striker. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not one of those people who leans on the the thought that every fight starts on the feet. I, I lean towards the wrestler grappler types far more. And it's crazy because a, a lot of the the people who I could have picked here uh, based on their good grappling or who won on their good grappling had never shown me good grappling before. Right. Well, let's start with the main event. Cody Garbrandt actually grappled. It uh, didn't do him any good, but he uh, he grappled in his fight against Rob Font. Uh, he lost 50-45, 50-45, and somehow a judge had him 48-47. I don't really see that one. But um, the main theme of this fight was Cody Garbrandt is never, apparently in all his pro fights, fighting experience, he's never seen a jab before. Well, and I, so I'll say this first of all, that that's, 48-47 scorecard is one of the craziest things I've ever seen, especially when you look at what uh, is Derek Cleary, if you want to send hate mail, Derek Cleary uh, gave him the fifth round. Like, did you watch the fifth round? There's no way Cody Garbrandt wins that one. Uh, in the first round, I think he only gave it to him based on the wrestling. So right. there's that. And, and to get back to your point about the jab, you're, you're right. Like, it looked like he had never seen a jab. But also, remember, 
he has fought Dominic Cruz and TJ Dillashaw, who are guys who, right. who throw decent jabs and like who who aren't just like big shot guys, right? Like like they're not you know the same type of guys like Pedro Munoz who knocked him out with a big hook or you know. Rafael Asuncao, who went in there trying to rip his head off. Like, he's fought guys who are, are willing to, you know, set up their shots with, you know, straights and jabs and stuff like that. But, yeah, Rob Vaught put on a master class. The positives from Garbrandt, um, his chin was good. Even though Font is not a, a knockout artist uh, in the least, he's more of a maybe TKO, but he's not really a starch guy that's on their feet. And despite – you. Getting pieced up and obviously getting frustrated, he didn't go total Cody Garbrandt. I train UFC bro mode and and uh, swing for the fences. Even though maybe as, as the fight wore on, that probably was his only chance of winning. So maybe it would have been better if he had if, if he had flipped out like he usually does in fights and, and fights recklessly. But um, he, he fought fairly conservatively the whole fight. Um, like I said, maybe that wasn't the best the best uh, option for him against Rob Font because. He got pieced up. His wrestling was all right. Uh, he he, uh, he wrestled Font up a bit, um, but yeah, <laughs> the name of the game was a jab, and he just got destroyed by it. Yeah, and I think you're right. I I think being a little bit more reckless, because like you said, Rob Font, not a huge knockout guy, might have played better for him. And there was actually a little minute there. I, I want to say it was in the fourth round where he did push forward a little bit more recklessly and had some success doing so. Uh, I mean, obviously not enough to win the round or, or just seriously hurt Rob Font. But, yeah, I, I almost wonder what would have happened if he did get reckless. Um, you know, I, I thought Rob Font, to be honest, was going to fight technically. If Garbrandt swung wildly, he'd back away. Um, but, like, it couldn't have gone any worse for Garbrandt, you know, if he he did devolve into his his crazy wild swinging, man. Yeah, he seemed – and even the announcers mentioned he seemed to pretty much just check out by the fifth round. He was – he just had given up, basically, even though he's got that one-touch knockout power. Like, you know, he, he could end the fight at any moment, but he seemed to pretty much uh, thrown in the towel by that point. Yeah, he seemed dejected. I, I think that's the right. best word for it. He just seemed like, oh, shit, this guy is just so much craftier than me, uh, and, and he didn't know what to do with it. And, and man, I, I don't know – you know, this is, it's been a long time since we've seen a good Cody Garbrandt, really. Like, I, I don't mean to, to put the nail in anybody's coffin because he's, he's still relatively young, right? Like, he's only he's only 29 years old. It's it's not like we're, we're talking about this guy being pushing 40. But, I mean, he's got one win since 2016. You know, since beating Dominic Cruz for the belt, the dude's won one time. And it was that throw-a-punch-from-my-ass against Hefaela Sunsau, who... You know, no, no offense to Hefael Asuncao, not exactly a world beater either. You know, he's on a three-fight losing streak of his, his own. Um, so, like, man, wh- where is Cody Garbrandt even at at this point? Yeah, what do they do with him? Uh, one win in his last four, four five fights. Um, and it's not just the age. He's got a lot of wear in his tires. He, he got knocked out three times in a row there during that stretch. So it's not like he's uh, – and he ate a heck of a lot of punches last night also. Um, so it's – he might be young, but in, you know, fighting terms, it seems like his peak is well, well behind him by this point. Yeah, and, and if you look at the rankings, too, there, there's a lot of guys who you wouldn't want to put Cody Garbrandt in there against. Um, you know, like, if you're saying he needs to take a step back out, like, to the edge of the top 10 or right to the edge of the top 15, 
you don't want this guy in there against Marab Devalishvili right now, right? A guy who will just suffocate him and wear him out, and and and, and you don't want him in there against a guy like even like a guy like Kyler Phillips. I feel like would just do the exact same thing as Rob Font just did, right? Like he's got a decent jab, although he doesn't use it all that much, and I, I feel like he would probably outstrike Cody Garbrand. So like. What are we talking about? Maybe Jimmy Rivera? Like, J- Jimmy Rivera's on a pretty terrible skit of his own, right? Right? Maybe, yep. maybe that guy? But, like, he, he's also talked about going up. I mean, like, the, the the fight I would kind of like to see because it is kind of crazy and it would it would sell well and you could main event a, a fight night card is you could put him in there with Sean O'Malley. I just think they're playing the safe game with Sean O'Malley right now. Um, after kind of getting the, not, I won't say exposed, but kind of looking a little bad against Marlon Vera. Um, you know, I, I think somebody like Jimmy Rivera is a little safer, but also maybe not the most exciting fight right now for Cody Garbrand. What about Frankie Edgar? Uh, I see him in my standings about the same. In my performance standings over at MMA-Manifesto.com looks like Garbrandt's going to be, you know, in the same range in the teens, probably, uh, right by where Edgar is in the rankings. And Edgar's dropped, what, he's won one of four. Yeah, I could see that. But again, like, it just seems like based on the way that he lost, it's a bad style matchup, right? Like, like, like Frankie Edgar is a guy who who has gone in there and traded for 25 minutes with Jose Aldo and, and guys like that and stayed relatively safe in doing so. And, and granted, you know, Corey Sanhagen just, you know, need him into the shadow realm, but that that's kind of an anomaly and not the usual for, for Frankie Edgar. I, I think you could pair those two together. Again, it would sell well. You could probably headline a fight night card with it, but I think I would take Frankie Edgar in that fight right now. Am I crazy saying that? No, who knows? Yeah, possibly. Um, you could be crazy also, but yeah, I, 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 I can see that. I could be right, right well, and crazy. You could be right and crazy. Exactly. Um, well, let's let's uh, go over to the winner's side. Rob Font. He uh, let me see in my performance rankings. He's behind Aljamain Sterling, Corey Sanhagen, and Peter Yan. That's it. So he would is up to number four now. But it's kind of a uh, tough position for him to be in, really. Um, Sterling and Yan are probably going to rematch. Um, what Sanhagen is what next in line you'd think after that? Oh no, he's fighting Dillashaw, right? Oh, right. Yes. That's right. See, and and Dillashaw is clearly a number one contender fight. And I think I saw recently, uh, as early as this morning, Rob Font's manager, like pining for, uh, the winner of Corey Sanhagen versus TJ Dillashaw. But let's, let's be real for a quick second. Who wins that matchup and says to themselves, Oh, no, I could go one more time with somebody like Rob Font instead of just taking the title shot they rightly deserved. Yeah. So what's what what do you think is next for him? Um, like I said, it's the biggest win of his career, and he's up at the tipper top, uh, tippy top of of the division. But it's not the best position to be in right now, it seems, because things are a little tied up, or the top guys are tied up. Yeah, I think he's go- it's going to take another win for Rob Font. As messed up as that is, like yeah. I-, I think you know, in a world where Aljamain Sterling uh, loses the fight to Peter Jan the way that he probably deserved to lose the fight to Peter Jan before that crazy knee, um, or was clearly on his way to losing that fight, if that finishes the way that I think it was going to finish, you know, Rob Font just waits for T.J. Dillashaw or Corey Sanhagen to fight Peter Jan, and then he gets the winner. 
But we're talking about, yeah. like, he could be out a year if he's waiting for winners on top of winners. I know that Jose Aldo is fighting Pedro Munoz towards the end yep. of this year. Uh, the winner of that wouldn't be bad for Rob Font. Um, who does uh, Marlon, sorry to interrupt, who's Marlon Marash have? Does he have any fight lined up right now, do you remember? I don't, but I do know he's been knocked out by Rob Font. So that is, oh, right, uh, yeah, 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 so, true. So since that's a little while ago, like, you're right, though, his, his name sticks out, but he is, like, his last two fights he's been knocked out. Um, technically, he beat Jose Aldo, but, like, Man, I'm not rewriting history because I actually Here we did, go. I did score that fight for Marlon Marias, by the way. I didn't score it for Jose Aldo. Um, but, like, Jose Aldo with, like, no recent good wins, right? Like, he's got a win over Marlon Vera, and that's pretty much it, is still, like, the name value name that uh, Rob Font needs to, like, really cash his check. So I think, like, that would be good for him. You know, if for some reason Pedro Munoz does come out on top and, and beats him and, and then – you know, Pedro Munoz would have a win over Jimmy Rivera and Jose Aldo. Rob Font would have a win over Marlon Marias and, and uh, Cody Garbrand. Like, that that puts them right around the same point. And actually, Pedro Munoz knocked out Cody Garbrand too. So, hey, like, maybe that's the right fight to make. Rob Font versus the winner of those two. But, yeah, he's in a shitty position regardless of what we're talking about. Yeah. Crummy. But, anyhow, um, good performance by him. His first, yeah, his first headlining event too, so... Good work for him. Um, women's strawweight belt was the co-main event. Um, former champ Carlos Sparza destroyed our pick. Uh, who's our, who was our pick again, Dan? Yan Chanan. Yan Chanan. You got it. Um, just d- totally overwhelmed her with the grappling before uh, ending up winning by ground and pound in the second round. Um, not really much to say about that except Sparza just looked dominant. Um, yeah, yeah, she, 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 yeah, she leaned on her wrestling, which you know she fought the way that she should have fought, and and she actually finished the uh, finished the opponent too, uh, on, who's was undefeated in the UFC six and zero. So, yeah, it couldn't have, couldn't have been a better performance for her. Yeah, the last opponent she finished, by the way, in case you were wondering, was Rose Namajunas uh, in December of 2014. So, yeah, it's kind of crazy. The one thing I will say that this made me think is. Just how good is Tatiana Suarez for doing literally what Carla Esparza just did to Carla Esparza, right? Like, that's her last loss is she got beat the same exact way as she just beat Jan Shanan by Tatiana Suarez. So that was my first takeaway. But, yeah, like, I I mean, she looks really good in there. Uh, She actually absolutely took it to Jan Shanan. This is one of those fights I said where the – the wrestling, I, I guess this one I could have seen coming, but the wrestling I, I saw coming was not good enough. And, man, she, she made huge improvements, or maybe I was just overrating Shaunan. Uh, but, like, yeah, she she looked great in there. You think this was just the um, textbook prospect loss for Shaunan? It might be. I mean, like, it, it does raise the question, like, is her takedown defense just fucking atrocious, right? Like, yeah. you know, not to be mean, but if you look back at her her resume, it's not like she's fought anybody with, like, a crazy wrestling background. You know, I mentioned when we were breaking down the show, Claudia Gedalia, who got a couple of takedowns on her and is a good takedown artist. But, like, apart from that, she fought, you know, Carolina Kovalkiewicz and Angela Hill and Siri Kondo and Vivian Pereira and Kaylin Curran. Like, I don't, I don't know necessarily that any of them, you know, wow me with their wrestling. And even if you look, 
you know, back when she was fighting, you know, in the in China or in the Philippines or, or all the different places she's fought, you know, like the fighters there too, not not giving her a whole lot to think about wrestling wise either. So, yes, in in a sense, I do think this could just be a prospect loss, but I think also she could just be the type who if she's going to run into somebody who can wrestle like that, is just going to get crushed. Um, and, and with that being said, hey, maybe there's not a lot of wrestlers in this division with, with Tatiana Suarez moving up the flyweight. Um, I, I'm not sure anybody fits that bill. Maybe uh, Kanako Murata if if she flies up the rankings quick, because I, I love her wrestling game. But um, So she might be safe. That might just be a prospect loss, but th- this could be a style matchup that, that haunts her forever. Yep. So as for Esparza, um, she definitely, in my rankings, plus uh, I think in everyone's eyes, definitely jumps ahead of Marina Rodriguez. Um, she's only behind Rose and um, Weili Zhang. Do you think, should she get the first crack at Rose uh, for the belt, or should it be a rematch between uh, Zhang and, and Nama Yunus? I actually think she should get the shot. Um, you know, Weili Zhang getting knocked out, it's not like Weili Zhang had, like, a huge list of, of title defenses either. Right? Like, she's not, like, a right. long-standing champ. So not a long-standing champ, got KO'd in the first. Like, yeah, I'm not sure that warrants an automatic rematch. Um, so yeah, I, I say let Whaley go fight Yoani on Jacek. You know, you mentioned, I, I think Marina Rodriguez got, got jump fire. Also, yep. not for anything. Uh, there's rumors out there that Marina Rodriguez, Mackenzie Dern is in the works as we speak. So if that's true, it, it happened pretty much the moment this fight happened, right? Like it, as soon as Carlos Esparza put that, uh, that performance down, they were like, okay, let's start booking the number one contender fight, which might be Mackenzie Dern versus Marina Rodriguez. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think Esparza definitely got a title shot. I think Whaley's going to have to wait and probably fight somebody like Joanna Janjacek in order to get it back. And this will be, as Dan uh, mentioned earlier, this will be a rematch. Um, these two, Esparza and Nama Yunus, fought for the uh, inaugural title after fighting their way through the Ultimate Fighter House and uh, as far as I won that fight. Do you think that's the outcome in part two or, or what are your thoughts on, on the rematch if it happens? I think I'm leaning towards Rose, but I will also say, you know, you mentioned the, the fight before and, and the fact that they were on tough and it was the first ever title. I think that's also one of the reasons why I'm so confident that this gets booked next, right? The the story yep. the storyline freaking writes itself. Uh, it, it's the easiest fight to promote in history. They're like, this is the beginning of the division and look, we said the ultimate fighter was this was the these were the best straw weights in the world and we put them in a house together and look seven years later we are still right we're in the same spot we were seven years ago so um yeah I, I think for that reason it happens but I am leaning Rose Namajunas with her crazy much better striking than it was way right. back then. Um, and, and enough grappling defense, I think, that, that Esparza doesn't do what she did to Jan Shanan. Yeah, because she was basically a baby in the in the sport and in life in general uh, when they fought the first time. So how old was Rose? Early 20s, I guess she would have been. Um, let's see. So so Rose Nama Yunus now. Hang on one second. Let's put the intern on it. Let's make some, some general banter here. And so I know you have you have trouble with this. So Ro- Rose Nama Yunus was born in uh, June of 1992. Um, oh, my and God. They, they fought in December of uh, 14. So we're talking uh, – she's 22, uh, 21 or 22. Yeah, yeah like – 
she, she was pretty young. Um, and, and so, yeah, not that, not that she's old now. I mean, she's only 28 now. So, um, and she'll be soon to be 29, but like she is 1000% a completely different fighter. Yep. No doubt. Um, all right, before I move on, let's tell you about a new sponsor of ours. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill other than listen to this podcast, obviously? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit a reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one to choose when you need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden Colorado, get that word out, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. We weren't celebrating too much with our picks last week. And no, no uh, Coors Light celebrations for us. Um, we were mediocre as per usual. So um fight we got wrong, of course, was the heavyweight fight where um, – it was um, Jared Vanderaa looked like vintage Ric Flair. He, he hit a gusher and was bleeding all over the place, but he came out on top just like Ric Flair, and uh, he pretty much dominated Justin Toffa in that fight. Other than getting cut up, Toffa seemed to wasn't able to find his range and was just looking for the home run home run shot. Now the guy looked really great, at, to be honest, uh, at heavyweight. Yeah, and and here's the thing too, like you know, I mentioned there's a whole bunch of fights on this card where I underestimated somebody's wrestling. This is the opposite, right? You know, Vandera is a guy who everybody's like, he can grapple and nothing else. Look at him on the Contender Series. He got jacked up on the feet a little bit by Hen- Harry Hunsucker, which by the way mm. is a great name. Greatest. Yeah, yep. and, and and not particularly a great fighter, but like he got he was not doing well on the feet against him. In his first UFC fight, he also didn't look good in that, um, especially on the feet. But anywhere did Jared Vandera look good in his, his debut. So to see him go in there with a guy who prefers to strike and outstrike him, what a weird moment. All it took was us picking against him. That's all it took. Um, he, he finally got that stank off him from uh, being a guest on Top Turtle Podcast. and uh, <laughs> it, it takes at least one fight to get that stank off you. And then we, the icing on the cake was us picking against him, and he's like, bingo, I'm a, I'm a different fighter now. I'm still a, a chunky, a hashtag chunk, chunky guy, but I'm a, I'm a different fighter now. Yeah, I mean, he, he looked like – and maybe I, I hadn't seen enough of him on the regional circuit. I mean, you know he fought in – uh, what is it? E- EF- EFC in in South Africa. Um, yeah. So like obviously not, not the most easy uh, organization to watch, but like I don't recall ever hearing anything about that dude's hands. And damn, his hands look better than like a ton of heavyweights. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so you're not a big EFC fan? I I actually I, there's a couple of guys who I liked watching uh, who came from there, but uh, largely. They all came to the UFC and looked very bad. Um, yeah, there hasn't been anybody out of there really that I can think of that there were, there ended were, up very good. There were two I was pumped about. Ruan Potts, uh, yep. I was pumped about. I was like, oh, this guy's going to make some noise. And I think he went 0-3 and, and got cut. And then Gareth McLennan uh, yep. was a middleweight, and I think he finished 1-4 before they cut him. Um, so, yeah, not, not a ton of guys out of UFC. 
Um, although I think that's where JP Bays came from, and now he's on one too. Uh, so I guess maybe there I shouldn't go. mention that either. <laughs> maybe maybe uh, Jared Vandera is, is their new hope. So um, new hope in featherweight, even though she apparently wants to drop down to bantamweight. Norma Dumont just made uh, she won via split decision, but I think it was pretty clearly um, a, a win for her. Uh, one judge had her with three rounds, uh, another judge had her with two rounds, and another judge had her losing, only with one round. So we had her win three rounds, two rounds, and one round um, over Felicia Spencer, who did not look good in this fight at all. Um, she could not utilize her grappling, uh, was getting pieced up on the feet, and Dumont actually was was out wrestling her. So um, Dan got this pick right, I got this pick wrong. Uh, another fellow Canadian stabbed me in the back, which happens when I pick them normally, so I'm going to have to go back to my tried and true strategy of, of fading them every time. But um, Dan was right here. I was, I was right in this one. And I will also say, despite the fact that, uh, you know, like I said, I, I broke down the wrestling of, of some of these people very terribly. I think I nailed this one in that, you know, everybody's talking about what a great grappler Felicia Spencer is, and she is a good grappler. She's just not very great at takedowns like she's good once it's down and she's got good sub skills but she was also the much a much smaller a much weaker woman in there against norma dumont i know dumont's supposed to be a 35er but like look at the legs on norma dumont she is so freaking powerful um and so strong and i was like if this stays on the feet felicia spencer's striking is pretty terrible right and, and I mean, like, that's how it played out. You know, Norma Dumont kicked the legs. Norma Dumont kept distance. Norma Dumont actually took it to the ground because she can. Um, yeah, I, I was – I'm going to say this. I'm actually impressed with Norma Dumont. I know a lot of people wrote her off after being knocked out by Megan Anderson. Uh, but, like, since then, she's looked good two times in a row. She beat the hell out of Ashley Evans-Smith. Uh, and, and, you know, call this a split decision if you want. But, like – she she took it to Felicia Spencer. I'd actually just like to see her stay at featherweight because she probably could go fight that Danielle Wolf, who is actually who Felicia Spencer was supposed to fight in this fight. Right. Um, who's like one and zero as a pro. She could probably go just like TKO her in like thirty five seconds, and and cash a ticket to fight Amanda Nunes. Because here's the craziest thing about her choice to say she wants to drop to thirty five. What's the goal of dropping to thirty five? Yeah, same to, person. To fight Amanda Nunes, and you could do it now yeah. if you wanted to. And like, I mean, I guess if you think you need more time, like build yourself up a little bit. But that, but like, if your goal is to just get to Amanda Nunes, you already did it, Norma. Just go fight her. Yeah. And it's a lot. Yeah, the line is a lot smaller at featherweight because featherweight does not exist. It could even be ne- non-existent um, line, a non-existent line. Like she could yeah. just fight. Like, yeah. Amanda Nunes is fighting Juliana Pena. If she decides to fight at featherweight next, Norma could take that fight. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that wouldn't wouldn't be out, out of uh, the realm of possibility. It wouldn't be a, a crazy pick either. So, yeah, definitely. Um, enough talk about a fight I got wrong. Let's talk about one I got right. Dan <laughs> lost his lock. Uh, El Senor Perfecto, who, uh, who I am demanding, he changes his name. Um, he's it's not. Like, it's looking like a bad nickname now. <laughs> exactly. Um, he was Dan's lock pick, and he lost to Hakardo Hamos. Unfortunately, only got um, plus one hundred money for him, but but I'll take it. Um, thirty twenty seven, thirty twenty seven, twenty nine, twenty eight. 
um, Hamos looked very, very good in there. And, and here's one of the ones I was going to talk about as far as wrestling goes. Right. Anybody out there can tell me that they took Ricardo Ramos in this fight or Ricardo Hamos um, in this fight <laughs> and be really proud of the fact that they nailed an underdog pick and are happy about it. If you come in here and try to tell me that you thought he was just going to out-grapple Bill Algio, I'm going to tell you you're a freaking liar. Because there's no way anybody saw this coming. Hamosh, like a guy who just goes in there, don't get me wrong, he's got a few takedowns here and there, but like eight takedowns in this fight? Are you kidding me? Eight takedowns? Like he looked like a world beater with his takedowns. So you're saying it was a fluke, Dan, and you're calling our listeners liars. No, I'm the not. listeners that bet on him. I'm not calling him a fluke. I, I'm going to say, <laughs> I, I'm going to say he is very talented and far more talented than I gave him credit for last week. But I'm also going to say this: Why the fuck wasn't he fighting like this all the time? Right? Like, why? Yeah. Why, why have we not seen more of Ricardo Hamosh's wrestling game? Like, and I, like I said, I know we've seen it here and there. He took down Eduardo Garagori, but like. Am I baffled by that or, or blown away by that? No, but I am blown away by eight takedowns against Bill Elgio. Like, and if that's his wrestling game, that dude needs to lean on that more often. Well, maybe this is a new, a newfound wrestling game for him. Who's to say? Um, if it is, though, it's uh, it looked good, and he should keep riding it. Um, ride it till it's broke. Uh, then a fight, another fight I got right and I got wrong. Imagine that. We're getting a few of uh, those. <laughs> Shocker Manson beats the former Uber prospect, uh, Edmund Shabazian. Um, he turned the gas on basically in round three and just melted the kid. Um, he won 29, 27, 29, 27, 29, 27 due to uh, what? He got 10, 10 in the last round. Um, in round three, um, Shabazian just did not have anything left in the gas tank, and Hermanson's grappling was just too good. So, are we gonna are we gonna chalk all this up to his his coach, who made uh, who Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey never really improved under, and who her husband Travis Brown never really improved under, and now Edmund may have hit his ceiling a lot earlier than than you expect. Uh, I. I'm not ready to blame anybody for this. The kid's 23 years old, right? Like, yeah, that's true. Th- there's still a lot of room for him to grow. And, and to be fair, I think he did look better than he did against Derek Brunson, right? Like, he he won that first round. Every single judge said he did. Um, and, and he did so largely by outstriking Jack Hermanson and stuffing takedowns and looking pretty good in that department. I know every judge gave Jack Hermanson the second, but, like, also remember where that round ended. It ended with an Edmund Shabazian deep half guard sweep to the top where he then landed like 10 to 15 seconds of ground and pound as the horn sounded. Like he he didn't win that round by any account, but he also didn't look like he got blown away. Uh, and then in the third round, he did get blown away. So he, I mean, like, I guess the question is, do you feel like Jack Hermanson is that much worse than Derek Brunson? Because I don't, I, I think they're probably in that same ballpark, right? Like they're, they're you know, there's not a huge difference between Derek Brunson and, and Jack Hermanson. Heck, you know, if we're if we're matchmaking, throw those two against each other next, right? Like I'd watch that. Um, you know, he he called for for Robert Whitaker. He's not getting that fight, but uh, like 
I would watch him versus Derek Brunson. And if you think those fighters are relatively the same skill level, then Edmund Shabazian probably made huge gains because he looked like a fish out of water against Brunson. No, I, I think Brunson's better than than Hermanson, more well-rounded at the very least, um, and a stronger wrestler. Maybe not a better grappler, but a stronger wrestler. So, um, but yeah, it's it's more of the the gas tank that seemed to to be the issue for him also last night, which is not a a good sign, especially with the guy who's he what he's was nine years younger than Hermanson or something like that, yeah. or maybe even more than that, twelve the, years younger. The dude was born at the end of nineteen ninety seven. Uh, if you want to yes. feel real old, Herm- so yeah, he's yeah, Hermanson's eighty eight. Yeah, so it's nine years, nine year age difference. He shouldn't be the one gassing out here. No, and, and that that's for sure true, and it, it's disappointing to see this loss. But I, you know, I, I've seen people being like, uh, you know, his manager, which his manager is Ronda, right? Like Ronda is. Like, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, is his actual yeah. manager. Um, you know, the manager set him up for his downfall, and his coach isn't doing enough, and like, like I think also sometimes a twenty three year old fighter just loses when you put you have him in the top ten. Um, yeah. and, and maybe it's time for him to take a step back and fight some people and figure out whether or not he belongs up there. And like, if, if he, he fails in doing that, if he fails in beating, you know, Kevin Holland, like, sure, sure. Let's then talk about how Edmund Tavarian is an idiot or Ronda Rousey shouldn't have had him fighting high level competition right away. But like, until he's losing to those guys, like, I'm not ready to write anybody off or blame anybody. He's lost to two guys in the top seven of the UFC's middleweight rankings. Like, he, he's still, you know, well-respected in my opinion. Yeah, plus two guys with way more experience than he has at this point. So, anyhow, um, all right, before we move on the prelims, let me tell you about our last sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. If you haven't played an Underdog Fantasy, you have to check it out. They're fantasy best ball tournaments are some of the best around this includes a best ball mania 2 tournament where you can win a million dollars plus you can play a number of games involving parlaying player props parlaying player props for mlb the nba and more they also have a special nba playoffs best ball tournament which actually is on as we speak uh, go to underdogfantasy.com use promo code sgpn don't forget to enter the best ball mania 2 tournament for your chance to win a million dollars that's underdogfantasy.com promo code sgpn all right, another silly pick of Dan's. Well, this is the three in a row that I, I got you on. Was, uh, it turned out being the main event uh, of the prelims. Uh, he had Chris Barnett beating Ben Rothwell, and Chris Barnett cannot wrestle, wrestle and he's half of Rothwell's <laughs> size. At least um, they're both loose, least, chunk, loose least, chunky. But at least height-wise, he's half. Height-wise. <laughs> he, 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 he was a little looser than normal uh, looking, too. But, um, yeah, he, he got himself a guillotine choke when he totally gassed out in the second round, and Rothwell um, took it to him, so yeah, this this one played out like I was hoping it would, um, just based on my on my pick. And Dan was looking for something spectacular, and he wanted to get he w- didn't follow our advice, and he went for a, a big underdog. And we always told tell you not to go for. A big, I guess he wasn't a massive underdog, was he? He was what? I think it was uh, two two um, thirty or two forty. Yeah, right. That, that, that's right around where you should cut it off. But anyhow, Dan was looking for some fancy kung fu stuff, and it didn't happen. Ben Rothwell. Um, Took it to him, and yeah. now Rothwell's Rothwell's won three of four. So I don't know what to make of that. Yeah, three of four with a loss to Ardur Olavsky in there, though. So like, no, that that's that's uh, three of five. If you uh, oh. Tybura, he lost to. Oh yeah, that's right, Marty yeah. Tybura. He, uh, he beat Struve, Saint Pru, lost to Tybura, beat Barnett. Which, what does that tell us about anything? Fact, <laughs> I know that's he's what, got that's losses what I to say. Andre Olavsky and Marcin Tybura in his last yes. five fights. Like, 
I don't think that means he's going anywhere. But I will say this. Uh, Barnett, surprisingly uh, competitive in this fight. I know I picked him, but, like, at the same time, like, he is a guy with a lot of unknowns who we don't know very much about. And I don't think he looked completely out of his element here for fighting a 50-fight veteran in his debut. I, I think he looked pretty darn good. And as a matter of fact, he had his moments. I, he landed like a dozen leg kicks to start the fight, which I thought was, you know, I, I even said was the game plan he should have to soften up, you know, Rothwell and to limit his movement so that you can start landing stuff. I'm not ready to write off Huggy Bear as not being UFC caliber. I think there's actually a lot of heavyweights in the UFC he'd beat. Um, this is just like obviously the size disparity and the fact that, you know, Rothwell's a veteran who does veteran things. Uh was unfortunate, but uh, he, and, and not to mention, there's another Barnett that that Ben Rothwell caught in that choke. His name's Josh Barnett, and uh, he's he's a heck of a lot better of a grappler than Chris Chris Barnett. So, um, may, maybe it's not necessarily the worst loss for Chris Barnett. And like, good to see him in the UFC. Super exciting. Look forward to seeing him again. Uh, he has been around 12 years. He's 34. He's had 28 fights. So it's not like he's uh, an up-and-comer by any means, but hopefully we can see some fun stuff out of him um, before his UFC career is over. And yeah, like we like we said with Rothwell, you know, and this means nothing. Um, maybe maybe he's a gatekeeper. Maybe they'll they'll be feeding young guys to him, um, trying to get him to lose so they can cut him because <laughs> it seems to be their plan with a lot of the high-priced heavyweight guys. But but we'll have to wait and see. Um, we yeah we whiffed him the next fight and it was my lock fight. Uh, Court McGee looked like a world beater over Claudio Silva. His wrestling was on point. 30-26, Yeah. Um, yeah, go right ahead. No, another wrestling one that I just didn't see coming. Yep. My God, nope. was Court McGee's wrestling good. Also, he, here's a moment of frustration, and I'm just going to let it all out here. How the hell do you decide to wrestle like that against a Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Yeah. And Claudio Silva, if I'm not mistaken, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu, like, world champion, or, or at least, like, a high-level black belt. He, he's got submission wins over, like, Nordin Taleb, who's, you know, no slouch in the UFC. How do you decide to go to the ground that many times with a Brazilian jiu-jitsu world champion and just dominate him with wrestling immediately after failing to attempt one takedown against Carlos freaking Condit. Yeah, I know. It was maybe he heard, he heard everyone saying, what were you thinking last fight? But, yeah, that's the way he should, he should fight every fight. Obviously, duh. Yeah, and it seemed so obvious that he should be doing that against Carlos Condit. And then in this fight, it seemed so obvious that he wasn't going to or wouldn't have success doing so. And, hey, he proved us wrong on both of those. So, you know, props to Court McGee. And, you know, it's not like, man, he's in one of those weird positions where, like, what the hell do you do with Court McGee? Yeah, I know. Especially now Diego Sanchez is gone. <laughs> you could have put him against him. Yeah, uh, he's 2-5 you know. and five in his last seven. This is his yeah. only win in his last seven fights unless you count his – decision victory over Alex Garcia. Like, man, that is not a good rep. He even has a loss to Ben Saunders in that span. And it's not just that he won. He looked he so looked great. darn good, yeah. 
which is, yeah, a conundrum for, for the UFC. N- not that he's a massively paid, high-paid guy or anything like that, where you can go to MMA-Manifesto.com and, and see how much he's paid. But regardless, um, it's not like he's he's cost him an arm and a leg. But, um, yeah, <laughs> what do you do with him now? I mean, man, you got to imagine he, he gets somebody – who the UFC wants to test, right? Like, does he does he become, like, kind of a gatekeeper? Maybe not to the top 15, but, like, to the top 25-ish of that welterweight division? Like, somebody who they're like, oh, this might be a guy, but we have no idea of knowing, and this the best way to find out is to put him against Court McGee? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Uh, just like Rob Fine. Uh, these winners were like, well, that guy's in a bad position now that he won. So yeah, like <laughs> it's strange. Yeah, like uh, yeah, exactly. Like uh, there's nothing better to say than what you just said. Is like he won, but like for what? Like, like yeah, exactly. Like, what what is he gonna do? And and you know the the other thing too is you know I said he should be fighting those guys just outside of the the top fifteen, top you know, right on the edge of the top twenty. But like who is even that right? now in the the welterweight division like I, and i know a lot of welterweights i know a lot of welterweights i'm fans of but like they've either all got fights or they're all not prospects right like shavkat rachmanov's fighting again i love that guy um you know like chaos williams has got a fight booked and is kind of not that guy anymore miguel baeza has got the, a fight already he's fighting santiago Ponzinibbio. like I, I can't even think of any maybe Maybe uh, who's the guy who got knocked silly? Uh, Impa Kasangane, like somebody Maybe. like that. But like, yeah, he's in such a weird spot. Uh, I don't think you really have to bump him up as high as you're saying. Like, I'm looking at my rankings. He's not even. This brings him up to like the 30s, <laughs> like the high 30s well, too. So it's not like well, he's. I would, he's, say, uh, I would say this. Gonna be, I would say this though. I'm not bumping him up for his sake. Like that's true. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't see him as a top 25, top 15 guy, but I do see him as being the type of guy who, if you want, if you believe in Ampa Kasangane, which by the way, I do believe in Ampa Kasangane. I think that the Joaquin Buckley KO was a fluke and he would be close to being two or three and oh, should he not taken a spinning donkey kick to the face. Um, but like, if you believe in Ampa Kasangane, you need him to go in and beat somebody that people respect and people are like, oh, he, he, well, he, he did beat Court McGee, right? Like, that's where you put that name. Um, and it's not necessarily to say if Court McGee wins that, like, oh, now we got to pay attention to Court McGee. But it's one of those ones that separates a prospect from a guy who's going to hang around in the UFC for a couple more fights before they release him. Dan believes in Impa Kasangane, everyone. I do. That's, that's he's, a also, prediction. he's also literally the nicest dude on the planet. I will say that. <laughs> which means which means Dan's going to turn on him soon and uh, hope uh, hope he gets his face bashed in in a fight coming up. That's what Dan does to nice people. He, he, already, his, got his his, he already got it's his true. face bashed in once. It uh, happened. He, he doesn't need it again. <laughs> it happened. All right, let's zip through the rest here. Uh, we got this one right. Bruno Silva knocked out Victor Rodriguez. We had a feeling dropping down to flyweight was a bad move especially against Bruno Silva and that uh, lack of fluid in the brain uh, didn't do him any good last night because he got himself uh, KTFO'd. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, Victor Rodriguez now 0-2 in the UFC with less than two minutes of fight time. Not ideal. Bye-bye. Yeah, yeah. I feel like just, here's your ticket out of town. Yep. Um, Josh Kulabau 
out-wrestled Shyland. They were using his full name. Um, Shyland Newer Dan Beaky. It's basically three names in one. Newer Dan Beaky. Um, basically wrestled him up and got himself a two rounds to one uh, decision victory. Yeah, I didn't see the wrestling coming here from Kolobao. I'm glad he won. But, uh, man, I mean, like, another guy who just surprised you with good takedowns. Uh, David Dvorak um, ended up. This was super last. This was what, like, day before the fight? Yeah, um, 24 hours notice. <laughs> well, Juan Samilo Ronderos um, stepped in, didn't make weight. He was, what, he was 128 and a half for a flyweight fight. And he, <laughs> despite stepping in last minute, they, they still find him 20% of his purse. So I'm hoping, <laughs> ho- hoping the UFC uh, gives, them that, gives them that money back. But he, st- he got a uh, – he bailed them out, took fight short notice, and then he got fined, uh, like, Two thousand bucks for uh, for not being on weight. So anyhow, he got out class basically and choked out in two minutes. Yeah, and the other thing about him taking this on twenty four hours notice, he also hasn't fought in like eighteen months or something like that. Oh yeah. And granted, eighteen months ago he fought Eric Shelton, who was a, a UFC vet, and he he won that fight. But he was only four and zero with eighteen straight months off in twenty four hours notice, like. Man, this dude was not set up to succeed in this fight. And also, like, it, it should be noted, too. David Dvorak's a beast. Like, I I, I, really I was just thinking, we haven't had any beasts or... He, he is actually yet. a beast, though. Like, he is. I, I mean, like, not for anything, he beat the hell out of Bruno Silva, the guy who we were just talking about looking real great. Um, and he took it to David Jordan Espinoza, and, and now the, the one-arm rear naked choke, I, I'm especially got a sweet spot for. But he's got... For for a guy who's not terribly old, he's only 28 years old. He's got a ton of fights on his record too. He's, that that brings him to 20 and three with eight knockouts and eight submissions in that span. Like it, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him next. Even though this was not like you know the proper step up in competition he needed. No, but it's you know flyweight shallow shallow division, not as shallow as. It was, so that they keep signing new guys. So after they basically had it buried and dead. But, um, yeah, interesting to see what happens with him next. And then uh, we lost one of our Demirs off the car, but we had Demir Ismagulov beat Rafael Alves. Um, this was another wrestling performance too, wasn't it? If I remember correctly, he won two rounds to one. Yeah, but I will say, so this one I went in expecting wrestling because Ismagulov is a uh, talented wrestler. But I will say I came out of this fight feeling higher on Rafael Alves than I had previously and lower on Ismagulov because I, I thought he was just going to run him down. For a guy who went in there as like, I think he was, correct me if I'm wrong, like negative 450 on this one. Yeah, it was a big, big Yeah, it, it, was, right. it was not that far separate. Like Alves looked like he was probably, you know, just a couple of, of positional changes away from being in a better spot. He even had like the wildest escape I've ever seen in my whole life. It was like a Granby roll to a break dancing headstand uh, that got him out of a bad position on the bottom. So yeah, I, I, I wound up in this fight thinking Ismagulov looked worse than Alves did for sure. So that's the third winner who's really a loser, basically. Maybe yeah. that's gonna that's that's what this uh, po- this card's all about. Winner, the winners are losers, Win- actually. Winners are losers. Which, if that's true, by the way, I had yeah. a much better record than you this week. You did. You <laughs> flip that around. Dan killed it. Dan killed it. All right, so that wrapped up the card. Uh, Vanderon Taffa 
got $50,000 bonuses for fighting the night because they just bled, bro, and that's what Dana White likes. And then Carlos Esparza and Bruno Gustavo da Silva. We just call him Bruno Silva around here. Uh, he They got the performance of the night bonuses, um, and that was out of the UFC Apex. Um, no UFC next this week coming up, which is going to be a strange feeling. They come back on June the 5th with another fight out of the UFC Apex, which basically is where they're going to run, uh, except for pay-per-views, they're going to be running out of their Vegas uh, headquarters, it sounds like, until further notice. Um, it's big boys, chunky guys at the top of the card, Jarzinho Rosenstrike versus Augusto Sakai. Some more big, chunky guys in the uh, co-main event. Walt Harris, Martian uh, Tybura. Uh, what else is of note here? I'm Santiago not sure I'm ready to, to, to call Walt Harris a, no, a chunky guy. No, that dude he's is, solid. Yeah, that dude was – was he a – a college basketball player, if I remember correctly. I think he was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's built like a very – I mean, he, he had to have been a very large college basketball player uh, width-wise. But, uh, yeah, he's, I wouldn't say he's chunky. Heavyweight Ilo Latifi might be chunky. Oh, that's true. And, and, uh, yeah. and Tanner Bowser us, might be loose chunky. Oh, that's true. That's true. But, yeah, us former college basketball players are not chunky. It's true. But we're all <laughs> – we all look amazing. Um, who else do we have? We got Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Miguel Baeza. That'll be fun. Uh, Tom Breeze, Antonio Arroyo. That'll be fun. As you mentioned, Tanner Bozer, a Canadian, so you know where I'm going here, versus the Ilir Latifi, who's tiny. Um, he's not. He's massively jacked, but he's he's a small small heavyweight. Um, Trinaldo, Francisco Trinaldo versus Muslin Selikov. That'll be fun too. Yeah, there's a lot of fun fights in here. Yeah, um, that, that that's uh, Trinaldo going up to welterweight too, which well, is a, right, a yes, move yeah. I kind of always thought he should make. And if we're shouting out fights we're really excited about, Manon Firo is fighting. Uh, I'm such a big fan of hers as well. She, her debut, she looks so damn good. Uh, I think you picked her. Yeah, I, you, I, I not only picked you? her, but I was like all about like everybody should empty their their checking book uh, right out on her because she's a beast. Hopefully they did. She's a savage, uh, and I think she's probably about to to savage Marina Mraz as well. There you go. Did you notice there was – I wasn't paying super attention. I try not to pay attention to the commentating very much, but I don't think there's a lot of beasts and savages last night because it wasn't Daniel Cormier and it wasn't Joe Rogan. No, it was, um, it was people who actually know quite a bit about the sport. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, one of them retired, apparently. Uh, Paul Felder, I wonder why I was getting all this Paul Felder traffic. I hadn't um, hadn't heard that he had retired at that point. But, yeah, Paul Felder claims he's retired. But we know how that goes in MMA. So you know, we'll probably have a fight before the summer's over. I don't know. I, you know, in, in it's, you know, we we can all speculate one way or the other, but like, I, I think he's done. Like that, he said he hadn't hit mitts. Yeah, he seems like in, he is. in the he hit mitts one time in the last five months, and he hated it. Um, man, that that seems bad. Yeah, no, yeah, it seems like he's he's had enough, and he's very good at his job, so he should have his new job, so he can stick with that. Um, which means um, next two episodes will be UFC-free, and there's also no Bellator, no PFL, no Invicta, no one. I don't think anybody's really running the next week, or this week, actually, come to think of it. So um, Dan has some amazing stuff planned for the next two podcasts. Uh, you want to give us a you want to give us a little sneak peek on what we're going to be talking about, Dan? Oh God, put me right on the spot there. Uh, I don't. I don't. You told me you had all these plans. Ooh, I don't have all of these plans. Uh, I, yeah, I, I 
you know, it's funny. A couple of weeks ago, you asked me if I had, you know, how many different promotions do you watch regularly? And even I looked down and was like, oh, none of these. Like, like none of the ones that I watch on a regular basis uh, are fighting this weekend. Or is – oh, hang on. Now I'm going to put the intern on it because I think there might actually be one that I watch that might have event coming up. And I'm wrong. Nope, not for another month. So, yep, uh, nothing for the foreseeable future. Um, so, yeah, that, that leaves us in a weird place. But I'm sure we'll be back with some awesome stuff for you guys, so make sure you tune well, in. Well, last time we had one, um, a user, a user, a listener, <laughs> um, a user because we're a drug. Um, a listener suggested we do the Ten Commandments of of MMA gambling. That was one of our uh, most listened to episodes up to this date. So um, there you go. So if you have any suggestions, so we don't have to do any work, um, please hit us up on Twitter, Jeff Fox Writer or Gumby Vreeland. Um, if not, we'll, we may do what we suggested a few weeks ago where I just do the ad reads and then I do a super long introduction <laughs> for Dan. And then I put Dan on the spot, um, making him say, uh, say the goodbyes because I never tell him in advance whether I'm going to make him do the, uh, the outro or not. And then, uh, and then we'll, we'll call it a night. So, but if you, if you don't want to hear that, then, you know, hit us up and, uh, give us some suggestions. But there's a lot of big fights coming up. I'm sure we can, we can do the old breakdown of, of, uh, the rest of the summer, what's coming up in the UFC. And I can quiz Dan on lines and stuff like that, or maybe something, Something crazy will happen in the next uh, week or so. I'm sure something will happen with John Jones and, and Dana White that we can talk about. So that's always something, right? Yeah, there's always something with John Jones. I think that's a fair statement. Yeah. And we haven't mentioned that YouTuber for a while. Maybe we can do a whole episode on that YouTube um, guy. I'm going to just pass on that. Although he is boxing, if I'm not mistaken – if I'm I'm thinking of the same guy, is he boxing Floyd Mayweather? Did I see that? His brother is. Oh, it's his brother's brother. boxing. See, that's his brother is the same thing. So yeah, yeah, his brother is a boxer and a YouTuber also. So yeah, so that's what everyone is nowadays. So, um, oh, and I have been warned. Um, episode fifty is coming coming up close, and my biggest detractor, my most vocal uh, opponent, uh fans of the show will know who that is will let me mention who it is um he's warned me that episode 50 he's going to come on the podcast and he's going to talk about me so he wanted me to put that out there so everyone knows so i don't know what he has prepared it can't be good because he's um he craps all over my performance on here every every week so um just thought i'd put that out there because we're what only 10 episodes away from that so that's something to look forward to i guess right that that is something to look forward to because you're usually the one dishing it out. So exactly, it's gonna be rough. It's gonna be rough. Um, all right. In the meantime, as I as we say goodbye, make sure you read all our stuff at sportsgamblingpodcast.com um, and listen to all the great podcasts we have on there. We basically have one for every sport that you can imagine. So get on there. Um, get on our Slack channel too. Um, Search for our uh, Sports Gambling Podcast on Slack. Um, there's lots of good degenerates on there uh, giving you betting advice, talking. Um, it's a good place to hang out during games where everyone's either excited about their picks or lamenting lamenting the the, uh, the um, bad bets that they just made. So go on there. You can also go to MMA-Manifesto.com and read my stuff and Dan's stuff because that's the site that we run. Um you can listen to Dan's podcast if you want. I guess there's no prelim picker this week, even though last week's episode was amazing. I think you should probably just shut it down after last week's, right? Yeah, we did good last week. 
I, I did yep. good last week, yeah. <laughs> you, you, your co-host that you had on there, you can't he, he top did, that. He did so. all right, I think. <laughs> he was well-behaved, so it was kind of boring. Um, <laughs> how about Top Turtle? What do you got this week cooking on Top Turtle MMA podcast? So we're going to do our usual, what we do in the week off, which is usually some kind of goofy countdown. So we'll be doing a goofy countdown, but in addition to that, uh, I am working on two different interviews. One of them I did for sure finish up earlier today, which is – uh, an interview, maybe one of the best interviews I've ever done, so definitely tune in this week. Uh, oh. I'm, I'm talking to Alan Joban about his choice to retire and why he chose now, uh, his favorite moments for his career. It wound up being about twice as long as the average interview I did, uh, but it felt like five minutes long. So uh, for sure, tune in to watch or to listen to me uh, chat with Alan Joban about all the great things that happened in his career, and uh, then there'll probably be a second interview in there too. I always I thought he was Canadian for the longest time, but he's not. He's, 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 he's southern nice. He's not. He's uh, not northern nice. <laughs> but, but plus the name, the name too, Joban. But yeah, he's he's Alain Joban. Sounds like a French guy to me. But he, he good guy regardless, even if he is a dirty Yankee. But um, <laughs> yeah, so make sure you listen to, listen to that podcast too. And I guess that's pretty much all I really have to tell you um, to do. I've got. Um, Oh, make sure you subscribe to our, our feed, like I said at the top. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you hear some more of this amazing content um, so you can hear what Dan uh, Dan comes up with for the next two podcasts for <laughs> us to do because I do enough work around here. It's about time that Dan Dan does some work too. So in that vein, I'm going to make him uh, take us out too. Go ahead, Dan. Well, as you guys know, I'm Dan. You're going to be Freeland. He is Arctic Jack Sox. Surprising it's not Jeff Fox. Jack nope. Sox. And we'll catch you next time.